Jesus kind of people just say, don't give me a script. I just have to flow with the Spirit. So we finally decided to break it down to three steps, and we're really working to get it down to the one step. But right now for three steps, basically find out what's wrong. Not a life history. Don't let them suck all the faith that you do have out of you. But find out what, what's, what's wrong. Where does it hurt? How long has it hurt? Um, how did this happen? Something like that. But not a 20-minute dissertation about everything that's wrong with them. Because that will tend to suck the faith out of you. So find out what's wrong. Find out what God wants to do about it. In other words, listen from heaven. You're listening with a, with a spiritual ear while you're listening with a natural ear. Letting them tell you what's wrong, but listen to God. What do I do about it now? What do you want to do? So, um, uh, I mentioned the the uh, the uh, Anna last night. Um, one of the people who sat under our ministry and really taught in anointing. She was in. Uh, she was on a ministry trip um, with us to Fiji. She was ministering. Sunday morning in an, an Indian church uh, from India. Um, the nation of Fiji is basically half Indian, half Fijian. And uh, she's, in, she's ministering on the ministry team in a, at an Indian church. It's 85 degrees, no air conditioning, very humid, different culture, different language. You know, she's Hispanic, the other gal's Indian. So, I mean, there's, there's all this dynamics going along. She's praying for a gal who cannot see any further than the second row. She's praying everything she knows how to pray. Nothing's happened. She steps back in the spirit. The spirit says, kiss her eyelids. And, and she's thinking what you're thinking. Ooh, uh, I don't want to do that. But the Lord is saying, kiss her eyelids. So she figures, you know, after she's argued with the Lord and lost that argument, um, she'll tell the uh, woman what she's heard. The woman will go, ooh, and, and she'll be off the hook. Well, when she tells the woman, the woman says, well, if the Lord said to do it, you better do it. So very quickly, she literally kisses her eyelids when the woman opened her eyes so she could see clearly. Now, the model, the model is not kiss people's eyelids. The model is listen to what God says. So he might tell you to command. He might tell you to petition. He might tell you to do certain acts of obedience. He might tell you to call upon the angels, whatever. So find out what's wrong. Find out what God wants to do about it, and then do it. We get so hung up with our words. I'm not spiritual enough. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't worshipped enough. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to use the right words. No, it's so not about you. It's so about the person that you're ministering to. But he has chosen you as his designated authority here on planet Earth. So it is about you. It's about positioning yourself. You heard that today. It's literally about positioning yourself and saying, uh, 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 like we're in, in that general territory. Uh, how many of you ever heard Ron Tanea or who I'm talking about? Yeah, down in San Jose, just you know, down the road from here, uh, years ago, and he had that song. Take my hands and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak to me. You can use anything. You can use me. What I have may not be much, but it can multiply in your touch. So if you can use anything, come on, Lord, you can use me. This. I mean, that's all he's looking for is a willing vessel saying, here I am, Lord, send me. So you stick out your hand, say, come, Holy Spirit. And then you 
get guided by the Lord. So we're not going into a lot of detail about um, the, the preliminaries, the basics of prayer ministry. Many of you in your various churches and just in your various walks of life, you minister already. Um, we do try to teach some, some basic protocols. Touch appropriately. Uh, don't be heavy-handed. Don't push the person over. God does not need help. Um, provide for safety. Uh, the myth says if it's God, you can't get hurt. We've just known this for many people. The reason I got to pray the night that I got saved, the reason I got to pray for somebody for the very first time ever and they got healed because it was my wife who had fallen under the power of the Spirit, but because we were in a mainline church, we didn't know anything about the power of the Spirit. We didn't know that you could be overcome by the power of the Spirit and you could fall down. And she fell on a hard floor and got hurt. And, uh, and, and so I got to pray for her and she got healed. So the myth says if it's God, you We've just seen so many times when it is God that the enemy gets in there. And so we always try to provide for safety. I want the person concentrating on what God is doing rather than worrying about, am I going to fall down? Am I going to hurt myself? And so we, we like to have catchers. And if you don't have a catcher, then you be your own catcher. If you're standing in front of somebody praying for them, you cannot catch them. You can stand alongside of them. You can be your own catcher. We talk about keeping your eyes open to see what the Lord is doing. You know, bowing your head is not in the Bible. But it is, it, it is, it does say, watch and pray. And Jesus did say, I can only do what I see the Father doing. Okay. I mean, it's the same way that, you know, Apple is the official uh, computer of the Bible. He didn't say you're the PC of my eyes. Okay. So, we do, we do believe in some basics of prayer ministry, protocol, etc. Um, but beyond that, this is, this gets to be the fun part. Um, we just here in, in these uh, conferences we've been doing, we've been talking about some of the things that we just kind of learned along the way that uh, seems to be, be helpful. Once again, we're not trying to say, we're not making doctrine. We're not saying, now, this is the way you're supposed to pray. This is the only way to pray. This is the right way to pray. But we are saying these are some things we've learned along the way. One of the things that we've learned is about afflicting spirits. Um, if you hear me pray for people for very long, you will many times hear me pray against afflicting spirits. Um, let me define it like this. Um, when you open yourself to the enemy through adultery, through unforgiveness, through bitterness, anger, Whatever, whatever, whatever is your um, favorite sin. You give the enemy right to come in, and you have to be delivered from that. An afflicting spirit is demonic in nature, but it's not like you did anything wrong. The best analogy I can come up with is like you're walking in the woods, and a tick jumps on you. You weren't in the wrong place. Maybe you weren't doing anything wrong. Maybe you were in the wrong place, but you weren't doing anything wrong. You didn't open yourself to it other than you happened to be there, and we are in a war zone. You know that. There's no demilitarized zone. There's warfare all around us all the time. If a tick jumps on you and bores in, it can become a problem. So it is demonic in nature. What we find generally is when we're praying for people, if the pain moves or um, 
worse than you're praying, that's an indication it could be an affliction spirit. Uh, sometimes people will tell us, you know, I walk into church, I knew it was going to happen. When it's totally unexplained, that's an indication it could be an affliction spirit. Many times we see, uh, I, I pray for a woman whose shoulder was locked up for about 60 days. Literally, she could not move her shoulder more than this. And so as I'm praying, buckles, ligaments, tendons come into order, et cetera, et cetera, I'm also listening to the Lord, and the Lord says, it's an affliction spirit. So I got into my best deliverance mode. I, I got bulging my neck. I was ready to spit, and I was going to yell at the deacon. And he's not impressed by our volume. He's scared to death of our relationship. And when you are in relationship with him, you can So I just basically said, you know, in the name of Jesus, I, I break the power of that afflicted spirit. I command it to come off right now. I, I break every assignment of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And she said, oh, it's moving. Oh, it's moving. It's going down to my elbow. Oh, it hurts there. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of that afflicted spirit. I command it out. I command it to leave right now. I break the power and cancel every assignment of the enemy in the name of Jesus. I'm praying just like that, just in that kind of a tone of voice. She said, oh, it's moving again. It's down into my wrist. It hurts. Oh, it hurts. It hurts my wrist. And then literally, it was like it flew out of her fingers, and she starts waving her arms. It was an afflicting spirit that I just literally chased out. Ago, and there's a Baptist pastor there who didn't realize that for years he had actually been walking in a very powerful revelatory gifting of words of knowledge for healing. And the way he would get them, the way he would get them was he'd just see something in someone. Well, actually what he'd see was like arrows on people in their bodies. And so he'd walk up to a total stranger and he'd go, oh my gosh, you must really have a lot of pain right here, don't you? Who are you and why are you asking? But, but yes, actually, I do. And how do you know? And he'd say, well, cut. I see the arrow there. And so in the name of Jesus, he'd just pull that arrow out, and the pain would be gone. So he took me kind of under his wing during the week. He wanted to you know, impart this gift to me. Well, I've still not seen with my eyes anything but I'm now very aware of that reality. And so oftentimes, when I'm praying for someone and they've got a pain and there's no known reason for it, doctor can't diagnose anything, it, it could be an affliction spirit. It could be an arrow of the enemy. And so when I just, just kind of comes to my mind, I'll remember, oh yeah, that this might be an arrow. And that's a lot of how the Lord talks to me not some woo-woo-ish kind of thing. It's just thoughts that will come in my mind, but I, I wasn't actually speaking those thoughts. They just kind of spontaneously come, and I've, I've learned to pay attention to that. So th we were at our church, the mission, when we were living up here, and at the end of the Sunday morning service, a young gal came up to me, and she said, would you come pray for our friend over here? She's got pain in her stomach. She's had it for quite some time now, and the doctors don't even know what it's about, so they can't even treat her. 
So I said, sure. So I went over there and I prayed a little bit and then I started directing them to pray and nothing's happening. Nothing's changing to this guy and I just kind of hear in my mind, Aaron, there's an arrow there. And there was one young gal and she was standing off to the side. She was part of this group, but she wasn't engaged in ministering. It was like, just a little too spooky for me. So she's standing off just kind of watching wide-eyed as they're ministering. And I said, come here. Reluctantly, she comes. And I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to kind of make a fist here on and put it on your stomach like you're holding on to something. Like, you know, like just imagine a shaft of an arrow. And, <laughs> and I said, and um, when I tell you now, I want you to pull it out. And she's looking at me like, and so I just prayed real briefly, and then I said, and we pull this arrow out now in the name of Jesus. Only I looked, and her hand's still there, just frozen there. So I put my hand over hers, and we did it again, and I pulled her hand out. And when I pulled her hand out, the gal with the stomach pain just went, ugh, like this. And then she sat up, and all the pain was gone. Well, the young gal who had the deer in the headlights look was at the youth meeting a couple of nights later when Bill and I went. We were going to be ministering there. And she kind of came up flat with me, and she says, you know, when you told me to put my hand there, like maybe I was holding on to something, and, and how I couldn't pull it when you said. And I said, yeah. She said, do you know why? I said, no. Do you want to tell me? She says, yeah, because I felt it. So you can get words of knowledge by feeling things, by seeing things. You know, there's all kinds of different ways, but those arrows are real. And it says in Ephesians 6:16, 6, when it's talking about the armor of God, above all, take the shield of faith, which with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one. I used to just think that was like a metaphorical thought. I don't think so. I just because my eyes don't see those things doesn't mean they're not real, and doesn't mean they don't need to be pulled out. So don't just go around pulling arrows out on people, you know. But if you feel like the Lord brings that to mind, then, you know, you can just say something like, you know, let's just try this. And in the name of Jesus, I just say we're going to pull that arrow out now and see what happens. So I was at our church in uh, Vacaville and uh, speaking. This is um, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And um, we've primarily done this, you know, one-on-one kind of thing. And so I'm speaking that uh, morning, and when I walked into the church, um, I'd gotten a word of knowledge. Um, just for, for those of you, because we're not going to teach in this to any degree, a word of knowledge found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, a discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, gift of miracles, okay? One, one of the gifts of the Spirit. One of the gifts is the word of knowledge. Um, it's a supernatural revelation by God of something that cannot be known in the natural. It's, it's his way of telling you a message, prophecy, uh, warning, and it can also be for healing. And there's probably six most common ways that you can get a word of knowledge. You can get a thought in your mind. You can see a picture in your mind's eye. You can actually feel it. You can read it on someone or over or in the carpet. Uh, you can actually say it while you're praying something else, or you can have a dream or a vision. So I just taught you six ways that you hear from God or that he reveals to you what could be a word of knowledge that will lead to healing. So as I walk in the church building, I get a sudden pain in the lower part of my back here, which I believe is the fifth lumbar vertebra. Um, 
and, and I, I did not have pain walking in the building. I don't normally have back pain down here. So uh, I'm just feeling some extra blues. Okay, God, you're speaking. You want to heal this lumbar vertebra. So as I'm speaking, um, this sudden pain just gets really bad. Well, many times when the manifestation is so strong, it means he's really, um, he's really insistent upon it. Uh, and, and if you don't uh, heed that, it'll only get worse because he really wants to heal. I mean, that's who he is. So um, I, I just kind of stopped, and I said, I just feel like there's a bunch of you uh, who have pain in the fifth lumbar vertebra. Now, I'm not sure that all 125 people out of maybe six or 700 people who, uh, you know, there were about six or 700 who were there, and about 125 stood up. I'm not sure that every one of them had pain in the fifth lumbar vertebra, but, but it was down here in the lower part right around the belt, belt line. So, I mean, that's, that's okay for me. You know, I never knew what a fifth lumbar vertebra was until I got into this kind of stuff uh, years ago. So anyway, I, I, I have now about 125 people standing up who have pain right back, back here, right about the belt line. And so I'm praying along. Um, and, and doing all the things that I know to do. I'm praying over them, kind of like I do a lot of times. I mean, God just comes and he just loves to, to heal um, in, in mass, you know, and, and we don't even have to lay on hands. Uh, and so I'm speaking, and muscles, ligaments, tendons come into order. We speak to the spinal column to be straight. We, we break the power of any afflicting spirit. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to the Lord, and I'm praying some common sense things. I, I have not a clue how to heal a back. I don't, I don't understand vertebrates in the spine and all that, and I bet you don't either, most of you. Um, but I have some common sense that tells me there's, there's bones and there's muscles and ligaments and tendons, and there probably needs to be some squishy stuff in there. Um, okay. I don't know what that is, but it's, it's ooey and squishy. So, you know, we, we had somebody in one of our meetings one time saying, yeah, I, I remember what you said, and so I, I commanded the smushy stuff to... <laughs> anyway. And they got healed. <laughs> Do you see how it's really not about you? <laughs> you know, you don't even have to... T you certainly don't have to have medical terms. You don't have to know to talk. So anyway, I'm, I'm praying, and all of a sudden I... I sense in my spirit. Now, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I've had times when it just became so clear that I knew that I knew that I knew that he's speaking. It's like it's rumbles in your spirit. You understand? Okay, five of you, you got it. That's good. All right. Um, and so anyway, I, I knew that he said, pull out the arrows. And I'm thinking, no, not here. Not in a big group like this. We do it one-on-one. -on -one. You know, it's not embarrassing, but not here, and not in front of my pastor, and not at my home church. Come on, not here. Well, you know, he, he wins those arguments. He's either that or you're a disobedient, so I'd rather him win the argument. So I, I, I tell people, okay, those of you who are, you know, sitting around that person, I want you to put your hand there uh, right where um, the pain is, like you're holding on to something. I'm even afraid to just kind of go with, you know, like we're going to pull arrows out. I, I just can't go that way. So put your hand there like you're holding on to something. And when I tell you, we're going to pull out. And so I began to pray and I prayed something like, you know, in the name of Jesus, we come against this afflicting pain and we command the fiery darts to come out now. And, and 125 people do something like that. And 125 people go, ugh. 
and a hundred were healed with no pain whatsoever. One of the things we teach in prayer ministry is um, to, to, to be prepared because you will get the question. And so I know some of you, some of you left brain people particularly, I, I can just see, almost see the wheels spinning. 125 people, 100 got healed. What happened to the 25? I don't know. For the younger generation, IDK. <laughs> and this is going to take a lot of burden off of you. You don't have to know. You, you don't have to have all the answers. Like John Wimber said, I just stick out my fat little hand and say, Come Holy Spirit. When they get healed, it's not me. If they don't get healed... It's not me. I'm just being a faithful servant. That's the job, to say, here I am, Lord. So the model is not go pull out arrows every time. However, be aware of the fact that when, um, when you feel prompted by the Lord, it might be. And you can do it pretty unobtrusively and, um, and do it like that. Let's move to uh, traumas. Um, we were down in Salinas uh, years ago. We, we had been training ministry team. We'd been in for the weekend in the church. And um, we had trained a bunch of people, and now we're, we're doing the stuff. We're praying for people, and there was a woman there who had severe jaw pain. Um, so we had prayer team people, and people are ministering all over the church here. And so there's a couple of gals, and they're ministering to this young lady. And the uh, power of God hits her. She goes down on the floor. And we had trained them that just because you fall in the power of the Spirit does not necessarily mean that you're healed. So you go down with them, find out what's happening, what's going on. And uh, they found out that the pain was still there. So here again, there's a lesson. Just because you fall under the power of the Spirit does not necessarily mean that you're healed. So they went down, found out that she still had the pain, so they called me over. So we found out jaw pain, um, and uh, so I start praying. And I'm... I'm Doing everything I know to pray. Okay, jaw, uh, TMJ kind of thing, needs to come into alignment. There's some muscles, ligaments, tendons, pain go, jaw be formed as it's supposed to be. I don't know. Just, you know, jaw, just be healed in the name of Jesus. You know, it really can be that simple uh, if you just have his heart. And, and so I check in, nothing has happened. So I step back in the spirit. God, this isn't working. What's going on? So I'm, I'm listening for the Lord. And he says, go back to the interview process. Find out what was going on. So I said, so, so how long has this been going on? About a year. What was going on in your life right around that time or maybe even six months before? And she said, well, you know, come to think of it now that you, you asked that question, um, it all started right about the exact same time that I saw my mother-in-law die in my arms. She had been shot by a drive-by shooter. And I heard the Lord whisper in my spirit, she became very vulnerable at that time and didn't even realize it, but a spirit of trauma had come in. And so I said, look, let's, let's put this under the category of, I don't know if this is the pizza I ate or if I'm hearing from God, but let's give it a try. I think perhaps there's a spirit of trauma, and so let's just have you renounce it. So I led her in a prayer. Now, I've got a prayer woman with me who has her hand on the woman's jaw, and she's one of these woo-woo people. Many of you are shaking your heads because you know 
you know what they are because you are. For those of you who have not experienced this term, woo-woo is a theological term. It's, it's those people who are like way out there like, woo. You know, right? Okay. She, but she's one of these people who sees in the Spirit. She's kind of a woo-woo person. She's got her hand on the jaw. So I lead this woman in, in a prayer. You know, in the name of Jesus, I renounce this spirit of trauma that may have come upon me when I saw my mother-in-law die uh, uh, having been shot by a drive-by shooter. Something like that. And so then, okay, this is my part. Uh, I break the power of that spirit, and I command that spirit to leave in the name of Jesus. Something as simple as that, literally. And the, and the woman being prayed for kind of went, no Linda Blair, no vomit, no head twist. <laughs> no, no histrionics, no veins, you know. In the name of Jesus, I command that foul spirit to come out. Ah. <laughs> Look, those days are over. Okay. In the name of Jesus, I command that, that spirit of trauma to come up and out and leave right now. And the woman goes, and the woo-woo woman says, did you see that? <laughs> no. <laughs> she said, when she went, it's like a little vapor just came out. It went right over my hand and it just left her. So I, I, so I, I, I said to the woman, I said, how are you doing? She said, Oh, good. I feel good. So I just prayed. You know, I command the jaw to come into order. Muscles, ligaments, tendons come into order. Every bit of pain go in the name of Jesus. How's your jaw now? And so she started, you know, moving it all. Yeah, exactly what you did. Moving it all around, absolutely pain-free. Now, she had been so afflicted by that for a year that literally she could not uh, sleep more than an hour uh, at, a, at a time. And many times she would not get more than an hour's, night of, uh, an hour's uh, sleep in a night. So, I mean, she was always tired. Couldn't do her job. You know, just a mess. I mean, think about that. You, you can only sleep for an hour or in a 24-hour period, you know, and you're bound to be dozing off every once in a while, but it's not good sleep. I mean, she just was a mess. She went home. She came back the next, next night. She said, I slept 10 hours last night. And she was totally, totally healed. You want to go into the explanation of the trauma and, and talk about the neck. There's a connection oftentimes between trauma and our adrenal glands. So the adrenal glands, you know, that's the flight or flight, fight or flight mechanism that releases that adrenaline in our bodies when there's something like that we need to respond to in a quick way that's got the potential for a lot of harm to us. What we've learned is that the adrenal glands, which sit right above the kidneys in the back there, not only in the natural do they produce that adrenaline for the flight or fight or flight response, but they're also apparently connected in some way to the anointing. And so when you're praying for someone, and like we'll do this when we're activating people, we've been training on how to minister healing and then we'll activate and put them in groups of three and they'll pray for one another and the person who is the prayer will come along behind and we'll just put our hand right in that area and just you know command a release of more anointing and frequently the person who's praying will say I just felt something like surge through me and the person receiving prayer will actually feel something happen like that 
Well, <clears throat> the, so the trauma part comes in when a person is traumatized. Like, there's two main types of trauma, A and B. A is the absence of the good things that everybody needs. So that's more like an ongoing condition in a person's life. So a parent who isn't able to give affection or pay attention or is neglectful, that kind of thing. But then the type B trauma is the trauma, the bad things that nobody should ever have to experience. And those, those are usually more event-oriented than just kind of lifestyle-oriented. It's more like the difference between you take a glass of water and you put a few drops of lemon juice in it it's going to settle out through the whole thing. And how, are you, how on earth are you going to get the lemon juice out of there? That's more the description of a type, type A trauma. It just permeates the person. The type B trauma is like a fly dropping in the water. You can get that fly out. And that's, you know, the, so the type B trauma is the maybe abuse or just something that was a traumatic thing that somebody experienced. And by the way, don't be too quick to determine what you think is traumatic because what's traumatic for someone else might not be traumatic for you and that doesn't make it any less traumatic for them. It's how they respond to something, how they are affected by something. So what happens when there's a type B trauma, that kind of thing that just you know, sets that a release of adrenaline into motion, <clears throat> it actually, the memory is captured back here at the base of the skull and it's held there in adrenaline. And actually your, your, um, your memories of these traumatic events are not set in jello, the, are not set in stone the moment it happens. It's more like a jello that sets up in a period of time. And the more you rehearse the trauma that you've experienced, then the more set that memory gets in the adrenaline that's here. So when you're ministering to someone and there's been a traumatic event, one of the things that can be very helpful in releasing them from that, yes, as well as that, is <laughs> you just you make a, a loud noise like that or a clapping of your hand, and to put this in very unscientific terminology, it just somehow springs the neurons loose that were holding that memory captive there and what happens at that point is the person is now in a condition for you to be able to begin doing inner healing kind of ministry. Prior to that, the trauma that they're locked into prevents them being able to let Jesus come, prevents them from allowing themselves to get back to that memory. It's too traumatic. But when, when they're released and when you do that, what you're doing is you're disconnecting the memory from the emotion of the trauma. It, the neurons just kind of scatter then and the, you know, the adrenaline is released there and the person is able at that point to be more like an observer of the, the memory rather than being locked into the memory. And then you can bring Jesus and you can do the divine editing and people get set free. So Think adrenal glands, think trauma, think freedom for people, and it can happen in a lot of different ways. We were ministering one time at our home church down in San Diego. Um, I mean, we were just like part of a whole bunch of people who were praying for people. And so people are standing up all over the room who need healing. And various people in the congregation have gotten up, and they're going and they're laying hands and praying for people. And so I'm with a couple of women who are praying for this one woman that has severe pain in her neck. She's been in some automobile accidents and she's got severe pain in her neck. 
across the room as everybody's ministering, I hear this loud clap and I look over and it's Bill and he's just done a clap thing. So I know that he's doing a trauma release thing. Well, what I didn't know until the, the pastor says, okay, now everybody stop praying and check in and let's find out what's happened. The woman that, that I and these other two women were ministering to says, first thing she says, was there a loud clap? And I said, yeah, it came from over there. Why do you ask? And she said, because when that happened, I felt something leave. And then she goes like this, and she said, the pain's all gone. So. Yeah, two summers ago, we uh, did an Angels and Miracles conference up in Moravian Falls, uh, where Gary lives. And um, there were two women there with uh, severe neck pain. They had been in multiple accidents, you know, several times. 20 years, both of them, 20 years of neck pain. And as I'm praying over people, I, I really have no idea. You know, I have people standing who have pain in their body. A lot of times, what that, that's what we'll do is just stand up, anybody who's got pain in their body, and we'll have them lay their hand where, where their pain is. Uh, first of all, it, it gives a point of contact, but secondly, it also gives me an idea of what to pray for. Um, you know, it's not rocket science. If somebody puts their hand on their neck, they might have neck pain. So, uh, if they, headache, maybe, you know, headache. Uh, shoulder, could be a shoulder. Okay. It, it really doesn't get any more simple than this or complicated than this. So anyway, um, uh, I just felt like the Lord said, come against trauma. And I did. And as soon as I did, both of them dropped to the floor. And when we interviewed them later, they found out, found out literally something had dispersed, just totally left. They were able to move their head all around, up and down and look. And first time in 20 years without that pain. So as we talk about these kinds of things, um, um, let, let, me, let, me just, let me just hit on one more thing, and then we'll, I'm, I'm going to uh, introduce Gary. Um, it's very clear that Jesus went to heaven. He said to the, to the disciples, it's to your advantage that I go, because I'm going to send Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said, we are ambassadors for Christ said, we co-labor with him. We had a pastor challenge us on this recently, basically saying, you know, I'm, I'm a lowly servant of the Lord Jesus. Uh, not really. You know, he said to the disciples, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. Uh, we are his designated authority here on planet Earth. He, he said, I'm leaving you. What he basically said was, I'm leaving you here to make a difference. Otherwise, why not just take us home when we get saved? We're here for a reason, you know. Uh, it, it, it's for church, and it's for out there. I mean, this church, more than any church that we've known, has just had the, the, the basic uh, premise that they are to be armed and dangerous 24-7, and they're to affect the, the community around them. And so when the workman comes into your house, and he's complaining, he's got that thing around his elbow, and he's got tendonitis, and, he's, and he has to lift heavy things, and he's got pain, you don't just say, well, you, you need to get to blazing fire or you need to get to Reading, or you need to get to wherever, wherever. No, you pray for him right then. And you, you overcome that fear. You just, you just become naturally supernatural. What we find more than anything is people get really hung up with, I don't know how to do that. I don't know if I could. I don't know if God would use me. And I certainly don't know if I could pray for something like blind eyes or deaf ears or whatever. And so when we train 
ministry schools, when we train prayer teams, etc., we usually issue this challenge. And, and I, I'm going to do it with you right now. I want you to be gut level honest with me because he already knows. How many of you have more confidence to pray for somebody's headache than to pray for their deafness? Be honest. Okay. If you believe that it's easier to pray for a headache than it is for deafness, then you've bought into a lie that says somehow it's about you. Because you can't heal a headache. Just a thought. That is right. So why not go for the blindness, the deafness, the cancer, the heart disease, the epilepsy, the autism? And why not raise the dead? Come on. Talk about affecting your community. <laughs> One of the things we talk about often in this session is, um, is uh, partnering with angels. But uh, w we have the guy who has partnered with a lot of angels, and so he's going to bring part of that as his um, testimony today. Um, We've done about, I think this is our sixth one we've done, and we've not had Gary give his testimony at any of these. Um, I was asking him, he, he hasn't given his full testimony of what happened to him down in Brazil in about three years, and, and I, I don't think I've heard it since about 03 or 04 was the last time I heard your testimony. So it's, it's fun. Here's the, here's the exciting thing uh, uh, about it. First of all, um, I'm 65 years old. Gary is a year older, so he's 66. He, he pastored for years. He's... He was a left brain, analytical, logical thinking, no nonsense kind of guy, all his ducks in a row. I can really relate to that. And then at this advanced age, in, 2000, in 2002, so that was, that was what, eight, eight, eight years ago, he has this experience and he, he kind of crosses over to the other side. He becomes one of these right brain. He, he actually has been tested, and he's kind of right down the middle. He's very analytical, and he's very woo-woo. <laughs> but but here's, the, here's the thing that encourages me. If it can happen to him, there's still hope for me. <laughs> I, uh, I first met Gary um, in 2000 down in Brazil. Um, we, we were doing, Randy Clark was taking some teams down there. He took two teams. First team came for like 10 days or so, and we went to Sao Paulo and, and Curitiba. And, and then the second team, I, I don't know, we came to Curitiba and, and then Recife or, or something like that. We had two different teams come, and Gary was on the first uh, group of people that came. He was a vineyard pastor at the time, uh, just desperate to see the power of God. So he came, and, and because we had come out of the vineyard, and we really have a heart for the vineyard, and, um, and you know, Randy was in the vineyard, so we, we just had a heart for that, and so I became friends with Gary, and I, I wrote a report that, um, that of, of a night that I think we were in Paris, Cabo, or, or maybe Kerchiv, I'm not real sure wh where we were. Anyway, Gary wants to pray for this guy who's got hearing aids in, but the guy really, that's not what he wants prayer for. He wants prayer for his emphysema. The guy basically cannot breathe. I mean, labored kind of breath. And as Gary is praying, thinking, I really want to pray for his ears, uh, all of a sudden the guy says, I'm healed. And he starts running, and he, he goes out the doors of the church, and Gary starts following him. The guy literally runs around the church and, and leaves Gary 
panting. And Gary finally catches back up to him back in the church. Is this all true? Is this all true? Yeah. And, and um, the guy got totally healed. And I don't remember if you prayed for his ears or not, but the guy got healed of his emphysema. And so I wrote the report of that. So that, that's how Gary and I became friends from that, that port, uh, point on because I just remembered him so much from that. Um, he's got an incredible testimony of what God did and how now he's able to partner with angels. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, we we want to, instead of taking a break right now because we'll never get you back, um, you know, you, you know you're free to go to the restroom anytime you want to. Um, uh, you're not going to want to miss this testimony. Um, but he, he just wants to share a little bit about what happened to him and what is possible for you. So, Gary, come on. Thanks, Bill. I may, be, uh, <clears throat> I may be a year older than Bill, but I have more hair. <laughs> yeah, but I got some up here. <laughs> you still have color in yours? You color your hair? No. no it's not. Oh, yeah, oh, now you're now coming up. <laughs> uh, hey, it's really great to be here. I love the name of the church, Blazing Fire. I really do. Uh, and God's just pouring gasoline on it this weekend. <laughs> you know, since, uh, uh, since I got here, actually, I, I've seen a lot of angels here. And um, yesterday, I saw some blue angels. They, they were flying between the Golden Gate Bridge and Alcatraz and right down that uh, thing there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, here. Um, this, is, uh, this is my book, Open My Eyes, Lord. It's a practical guide to angelic visitations and heavenly experiences. There's a prayer of impartation and uh, testimony, a lot of uh, the things that have been going on in my life for a long time. So... Now, that was, that was mean, wasn't it? But let me tell you something. God always keeps you off balance so that you always have to seek Him. You never know what God's going to do, right? Well, I know what God wants to do with you today. We're going to pray that God's going to open your eyes to see in the spirit realm, and you will. And tonight, we're going to... Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about that. Um, I, I want to, um, you know, Bill, Bill shared some of the, uh, uh, just a little bit about the, uh, my past and, and how we got to know each other. And, you know, I went on several trips with Randy Clark in the, in the early days. And time I had some, I don't think I'm on. Oh, yeah, okay. The uh, first time, um, first time I went, I was only going to be there for a very short time. I was not going uh, only to see if the stories I was hearing were real. Uh, because, I, you know, I'd heard about all these miracles and stuff, and, and I wanted to find out for myself. 
So that's why I went, and I determined I would never go back to Brazil. <laughs> and uh, we're going next month for the 25th or 26th time <laughs> since then. <clears throat> so God really got my attention on every one of those trips. But uh, the particular trip that sticks out the most was in June of 2002. And um, I was going through a really difficult time in the church that I was pastoring. I was really desperate for more of God. I was desperate for a touch from Him. And my heart's cry when I went uh, down there with Randy was that, uh, that God would open my eyes to see in the Spirit, that I could see the ministry of angels, that I could see things from God's perspective. Because the way I saw things, uh, you know, it wasn't good. And I knew God had to see things differently. And so I wanted to see beyond this natural, physical world into the realm of the Spirit. Well, we got down to Brazil. We were on the bus between two cities, and Randy was, uh, was talking to this guy that had a lot of experiences into the heavens and amazing things that happened to him. And, and I was sitting there listening to every word. And when he got through, I tapped this guy on the shoulder, and I said, hey, that's what I want. And he reached his hand across the aisle of the bus, and he put his hand on my hand and and uh, he didn't, he just, I don't know what he did, actually. He just kind of prayed under But I really, I just was really feeling like something was happening. When I got up uh, to get off the bus, I hugged him, and the presence of God just hit me. I just started weeping. I, my knees buckled. I could hardly stand up. I almost fell to the floor. Got off the bus, and we're walking into a restaurant. I went up to Mike Shea. Uh, who's an American. He's the head of House of David, Casa de David in uh, Brazil. And I said, Mike, have you, have you had experiences like him? And he said, well, no. He said, a little bit, but not as much. And I said, well, what can you tell me that will help me to get this thing activated in my life? And he looked at me, and he said, Romans 6.13. And I said, Romans 6.13? What does that say? And he said, well, basically, and he just kind of paraphrased it, uh, do not present the members of your body as instruments to sin and unrighteousness, but present the members of your body to God for, for holiness, for righteousness. And when he said that, I thought, well, what does that have to do with what I asked you? And he said, well, a whole lot. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, when you're talking about uh, the members of your body, he said, focus primarily on your five physical senses, your eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and your hands. And when he said that, I realized right away that, you know, our, our five senses are the entry and access points for the works of the enemy, you know, the, the worldly influences that come into our lives. But our five senses are also the entry and access points for the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And so I realized it was important to make a divine exchange. We went back to the hotel that afternoon. I had just a few minutes to freshen up before the meeting. I lay on the bed and and I said, God, I want to do that. And I, I, said, I said, God, I give you my eyes right now, Lord, that I can begin to see things through your eyes, to see things from your perspective. And I said, God, I give you my ears, Lord, that I can begin to hear your voice more clearly. And God, I give you my mouth, that I can speak your words. And God, I give you my nose, that I can smell your fragrance. And God, I give you my hands that they might be used in serving you. And I said, God, I give you my whole person, spirit, soul, and body, everything. I, I, I absolutely surrender everything totally and completely. I withhold nothing. 
We went into the meeting that night, and the presence of God was so strong in the worship time, I had never experienced worship like that before. While I was staying there, I was just almost vibrating in the presence of God. And uh, uh, my hands were raised as I was worshiping the Lord, and all of a sudden, God spoke to me. And he said, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. And my first reaction was, no, you know, I don't want to do that because I had on nice clean socks and it was a dirty, dusty, concrete floor. And so I just kind of ignored that. And I continued worshiping. And again, God spoke and he said, take your shoes off. And I thought, uh-oh. You know, I think this is God. I think I better do it. And so I reached down and I took my shoes off and I was standing there in my socks. And thank God... I took my shoes off because I honestly believe that what followed would not have happened if I hadn't have taken my shoes off. How many of you know that God tests us in the small things before he entrusts greater things to us? You know, we say, we want more. I mean, if we said, I would all say, yes, we all want more of him. Are we willing to do the small things that he asks us to do that qualifies us for the bigger things? Well, I want to tell you, I fail that test a lot of times. But this time, I didn't fail the test because I responded to the promptings of the Spirit of God. I took my shoes off, and I was standing there continuing to worship. And, and as I did, I opened my eyes and looked up on the platform, and I couldn't believe what I saw. I, they had uh, worship dancers uh, in Brazil. If you've been, you know what I'm talking about. And I saw two, um, two dancers together and three angels around those, and two more dancers behind them with three angels around them. And off to the side, there were several individual dancers. Each one of them had a large angel arched over them, like this was the dancer and this was the angel. And everywhere the dancer went, that angel was moving with them. And I, I was just, I was almost in shock. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I looked up, and above the worship team, the area was absolutely filled with worshiping angels. They were playing instruments, they were singing, they were dancing. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And I thought, man, you know, it was like, it was like the very thing that I was, I was crying out for and asking God for. When it happened, I didn't know what to do with it. It was like, it was like this, this can't even be real. It was like I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. And, and so I just said, God, thank you. I don't understand all this stuff, but I thank you for what you're doing. And God, I just want more of you. And all of a sudden, I felt myself getting bigger and taller and it was like I, I grew like 15 feet tall. And I was looking down over the people as they were worshiping God. And I thought, whoa, this is really cool. <laughs> and then I started going up. Now, understand, if you, really, now, you have to listen with your spiritual ears, okay? Just take your physical ears off and set them on the chair next to you. Listen, because what was happening was my spirit was leaving my body, okay? Now, I felt myself going up. I went all the way up into the top of this, uh, the tent. This church met in a huge tent that seated 3,000 people. And I was hovering in the down over everybody worshiping. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, there was just a fear that rose up on the inside of me, and I began to resist what God was doing. And right when I resisted, I started coming back down. On the way down, I thought, oh, no, I, you know, there's, th th that's the wrong way. I said, God, forgive me. I said, up is better, up is better. <laughs> and right then, I reversed directions and started back up again, 
I mean, and it was just like, it was like Superman. I went right through the top of the tent, way up into the sky. And I was looking, I could see the city of Voltidanda, and, and the tent, the top of the tent was glowing with the presence of God. It was like God gave me zoom vision. I could see right down, a hole opened up in the top of the tent, and I could see everybody in there worshiping God. Well, this time, I really got afraid because, as Bill said, you know, I like my ducks in a row and everything in a little box. Well, I was way out of my box. I was way out of my comfort zone. Honestly, uh, the things that I had desired, I had a fear of. I had a fear of the supernatural. I had a fear of the unknown. And so I was really struggling with, with what was happening. And I, again, I started resisting what God was doing. And I started to come back down again. And I thought, oh, man. And uh, while I was on the, on the way back down, I realized that, that God will take us as far as we're willing to go with him. I was the one that put the ceiling on how far I went with him. I'm the one that was the bottleneck. I was the issue. It was like I just drew a line in the sand. It's like, you know, God, I want to get, I want to get this close to you, but I want to get any closer than that. Do, do you know what I mean? You know how you want to kind of keep a little distance there? You don't want to get too close? Well, I wanted the closeness. I wanted to go to the throne room, but I didn't because of fear and resisting the Holy Spirit. So I came all the way back down, just inside the tent. And uh, again, I was just right up in the peak of the tent and looking down at everybody. And I said again, I said, God, forgive me. You know, because this time I knew I really messed up. And I said, God, forgive me. And I raised my arms to the Lord like that. And it was like my, my arms were like a mile long. I mean, they went way up in the sky like that. And I was looking up and I was saying, God, forgive me. I just want more of you. I just want more of you. And all of a sudden, I looked up and I saw Jesus coming down. And his hands were extended out like this. And he came all the way down right to me. And he took me by the hands. And he held me real tight as if to say, I'm not going to let you go. And I was completely overwhelmed by his presence. And I thought, oh, God. All of a sudden, my left hand started to burn. It was like just a little dot in the beginning. And then, and then it, got, it just spread over my whole hand. It was just like it was on fire. And I didn't think I could take it any longer. And right then, he let go of my hands. And my spirit came back into my body. Now, my body was still standing on the floor just like it was when I left. Okay? But because my spirit, having been in the presence of the Lord like that, when my spirit came back into my body, my body could not contain the presence of the Lord that was resident in my spirit. And it was like I exploded. I mean, I just I was catapulted backward. I, the chairs scattered. I hit the concrete floor. Nobody caught me. But it was like I landed on a bed of feathers. I didn't feel anything. And I, I lay there. I was just crying because this was so out of the box for me. And I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand all this stuff. I just want more of you. And I want to tell you, I felt so little and so insignificant in the presence of all my One of those times that it was like, God, I was, I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't think. I couldn't move. I couldn't get up. It was like I was nailed to the floor. I couldn't move. And I was down there for about, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour before I could even get up. When I could finally, I could finally able, able to get up, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. All I could do was cry. People had to help me, help me around. The next night we went to the meeting and got there early. And I, 
I, I sat on the on the third seat over, and the worship leader came and he sat on the front seat, uh, the right there on the corner, and he looked over at me and he put his hand over on my shoulder, and right when he did, the power of God hit me, and I fell in that chair between us just like a dead man, and I was the, the team members that were there that saw me. And they thought, you know, because I really looked uncomfortable. I was all scrunched up. My arm was trapped under my, under my chest between the chair. And so they picked me up, and they moved the chair, and they put me on the floor. Well, I was on the floor uh, for a long time like that. And again, I was just crying out, God, I don't understand what, the, you know, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand all of this stuff. I said, God, I just want more of you. Well, after a period of time, the worship team had started. Again, the worship was just off the charts. It was, and while I was just laying there, the presence of God, it was just like waves of the Spirit of God were just flowing over me. And I opened my eyes to look up on the platform to see the worship team, and all of a sudden, everything changed. I wasn't there. I saw this gold path and uh, some gold steps, a gold platform, more gold steps, another gold platform. It was like Everything was gold. It, was, it, was, it all blended in together. It was just, it was the most incredible sight. On, on the top of this top platform uh, was a, a throne. It was a large throne. I didn't see anybody sitting on the throne, but right beside the throne, I saw Jesus, and he was standing there just like this, and he was holding a scepter in his hand. And from his waist up, the radiance and the glory of God was coming from him, and it was so bright, I was completely overwhelmed. And I couldn't stand it. And I thought, man, you know, it was like, I, I felt like I was going to die. In fact, I thought, you know, maybe I have died and gone to heaven because it was that real. Well, it lasted just for, just for a moment, and then boom, I came back into my body. And when I did, I was just writhing in agony on the floor. I, I had the look of terror on my face. I was screaming, but no sound was coming out of my mouth. Well, the team member saw me, and, and Kathy was right there, and, and she screamed, and she said to the team members, do something, do something, help him, help him. And they said, turn around, don't look at him, he's okay. They wouldn't even let her, let her look at me. Well, what they didn't know, the reason I had the look of terror on my face and was just writhing in agony on the floor like that was because of what had just happened to me. You see, I became so acutely aware of my sinfulness in the presence of a holy God that it brought terror to me. And I was crying out, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. You see, that kind of stuff can't stand in his presence. I said, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. And I was just gushing tears and crying and just slobbering all over the floor. And I was, this time I was down for close to two hours. I couldn't, even, I couldn't get up. Finally, when I, the same thing when I could finally get up. I could barely move. I could, I, I could hardly walk. People had to help me to walk around. I couldn't talk. All I could do was cry. And I thought, you know, this stuff, this stuff was so way out there for me. You know, I was raised in the Baptist church, didn't believe in any of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and I said, I said, God, you know, you're going to have to show me this stuff in the scriptures. Uh, you know, because, I mean, you know, we were, we were Bible-based. We said we believed the Bible from cover to cover, but we didn't have a clue what was between the covers. <clears throat> but, but we wouldn't make a stab at it, okay? And so, so I said, God, you're going to have to show me this stuff in the Scriptures. 
And so I, did, I started searching, and I found in Ezekiel chapter 8, uh, verse 3. Now, this is when Ezekiel was taken up into the presence of the Lord. And um, I would encourage you to just read, you know, read the whole chapter later on, but we just want to highlight verse 3. Uh, Ezekiel said, He stretched out the form of a hand and caught me by a lock of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem. Well, when I read that, I got so excited because my experience was so similar to Ezekiel's. The reason I got so excited was because what happened to him was the same thing that happened to me. You know, I wanted to go all the way to the throne room, but I didn't. The Lord lifted me up between earth and heaven. I didn't go all the way. He didn't go all the way either. And I thought, well, that's really cool. I can't wait to die and go to heaven and talk to Ezekiel about the experience that he had because it was so similar. But at least I saw, hey, this is real. This, this happened to somebody else. This didn't, this didn't just happen to me. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so anyway, uh, the next day <clears throat> we went to, from Volte Donda uh, to Rio de Janeiro. And uh, again, the worship was unbelievable. I was right down here in the front. I was looking up over the, the platform. The worship team was right here. And uh, all of a sudden, the worship leader looked over at the drummer, and he just kind of motioned to him. And the drummer started playing a drum solo. Okay, now this was in 2002. I had never even, listen, our church didn't even have drums, okay? And a drum solo, that was over the top. And I thought, what is he doing? And he kept going on and on. And, and it, there, it kept building in intensity. The presence of God kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I said, God, I said, what is this? And God spoke to me, and he said, warfare. And I thought, oh. And so I thought, okay. And so I was just kind of going with it, and I thought, yeah, well, that makes sense. And then all of a sudden, I just really felt impressed to open my eyes. And when I did, I looked up, and where the, where the, the wall, the back wall and the ceiling come together all across the front of this church, I saw a group of warrior angels come into the room. They were wearing a metallic-looking armor, and they had bright, shiny, two-edged swords. And, I mean, they were swinging those swords like, I mean, you could hardly see the swords. They were swinging them so fast like that. Well, they came down, and there were, there were these black masses, these, just these blobs in different parts around the room, and they would go over, and they would hit that black blob, and it would totally disappear. It looked like dive bombers come like that and went all the way through and out the back of the church. And I was standing there, and I thought, what? And I thought, I, I've lost it now. I mean, this is. <laughs> and I thought, I can't wait till this thing is over with to go talk to the worship leader. And I said, look, I said, I said what? afterward, I said, what, what, what was happening when the drummer was playing the drums? And he said, it was warfare. And I thought, oh, good, okay. <laughs> I said, then did anything else happen? And he said, yes. He said, a group of warrior angels came into the room and they went all the way through the church, driving the demons out and went out the back of the church. He saw exactly the same thing that I saw. And I thought, praise God, I didn't go crazy. <clears throat> because I was... Honestly, I was concerned. I, was, I was thought I was really losing it mentally, okay? So 
Anyway, the next day, uh, the pastor uh, brought, brought this couple up. They wanted us to go back into the, uh, into the back and to, to pray for this man. Um, he, the, the pastor said that, you know, neither one of them know the Lord, that he's dying of brain cancer. He had had uh, uh, surgery on his brain. They sewed him back up. They sent him home to die. They said, there's nothing we can do for you. We started praying for him in the back room, and, and, and the power of God just really began to fill that room as we were praying for him. And to my right, I saw a large angel with these big wings come out around the man like that, just like he was just, you know, covering him like that. And I looked again at that. I couldn't believe what I saw. And on the other side of that angel was a smaller angel, and this angel was blowing fire into the man's head. And I looked at that again, and I thought, what in the... It looked like a blowtorch of fire going from that angel right into the man's head. And so I stopped, and I said, wait a minute. I said, is anything happening right now? Do you feel anything? And he said, oh, yes, my head, my head. My head's hot. My head's burning up. My head's on fire. I said, well, duh. And then he said, he said, I'm healed. I'm healed. And I said, well, praise God. I said, now I want you to go back to the doctor and have the doctor to confirm the healing. He said, I don't have to. I'm healed. I know I'm healed. He said, it's all different. And I can feel it's all different. I'm healed. I said, I believe you're healed too, but I still want you to go back to the doctor and have him to confirm the healing. And so finally he agreed to do that. Well, just, just a few minutes later, both he and his wife with tears streaming down their cheeks invited Jesus into their lives. It was a beautiful thing to see. <clears throat> that, was, uh, that was our last... Uh, our last And um, so we went back home, and I, I was thinking at the time, you know, is this just a Brazil thing, or, you know, <clears throat> can this kind of stuff happen at home? Well, it started happening at home, okay? No, it was... It, there, there was a real jump start for the... For, for faith for this kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? And um, so a couple of months later, I was at a conference in Atlanta. <clears throat> and uh, Randy was there, Randy Clark and Heidi Baker, and a guy named Henry Madava from the Ukraine. He pastors the second largest church in the Ukraine. And, uh, and well, I think it was an afternoon session, and um, Henry was, uh, was speaking, and he just started into ministry time. And I was, you know, about halfway back over on this side. And um, as he started in the ministry time, while I was standing there, the presence of God, again, just came over me in an unusual way. And all of a sudden, I felt my angel come up behind me, and he put his arms around my waist like that and started squeezing me. And I turned, and I, I was thinking, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I had never experienced anything like that before. Right then, Henry said, you know, if, if you're having an encounter with the Lord, he said, if God is touching you right now, I want you to come down front. Well, I ran down front, and I stood there, and I was, again, I was just crying out to God, God, I just want more of you. You know, that's been my theme song now for years. I just want more of him. I don't care how much you got, there's always more to get. Okay, so I'm, I'm never content with where I am spiritually. I'm never content with where I am with him. I always want more. I'm always pressing in for more. And so I was saying, God, I just want more of you. I want more of you. And again, my angel 
put his arms around me like that, and this time was squeezing even tighter, and it was like, what is this all about? And again, I was, I was thinking, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And all of a sudden, in just a split second, he took me straight up, and he took me right in to the throne room of God. I had a glimpse of the four living creatures as they were bowing down and worshiping God. And then I saw, I saw these gray, dark, swirling clouds all around. I saw uh, bright flashes of light. It, it looked like strobe lights. It was lightning. And, and it was like, what is this? This, can't, this is not what I expected. This is not what I thought it was. You know, what is this? I was struggling with all of this stuff because nothing made any sense to me. And then all of a sudden, out of those dark clouds, I saw two deep red penetrating eyes. And then I saw thick white flowing hair. My angel picked me up and he laid me in the Lord's lap. And I laid there for a long time. And my angel, it was like, it was like he wanted to talk to me or show me around or something. But, but that never happened. And after, it seemed like a long time. I don't know how, in terms of the time frame, everything is so different here and there. But anyway, it seemed like it was a long time. And then all of a sudden, boom, it ended. And my spirit came back into my body. And immediately I hit the floor, and I was out for the count. I couldn't move. Again, I was nailed to the floor. I was just crying. I couldn't get up. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I mean, it was the same thing all over again. And I really struggled with this for a long time. And I said, God, now this one, I don't understand. And I said, God, you're going to have to really confirm this and show me from the Scriptures because this, this is not what I thought that it was going to look like. And so I started searching the scriptures, and the Lord directed me to Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Uh, Beginning in in verse 1, it says, uh, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. His lightnings lit up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. And then in Psalm uh, 18, uh, verses 11 and 12, He made darkness His hiding place, His canopy around Him, darkness of waters, thick clouds of the sky, from the brightness before Him past His thick clouds, hailstones and coals of fire. And then over in Revelation, Chapter 1, when John was taken up into the presence of the Lord, and he saw the Lord, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in uh, verse 14, Revelation chapter 1, verse 14, 
said, his head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. I saw exactly the same thing that John saw. And then in Revelation chapter 4, in verse 1, um, after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven, the first voice which I heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after these things. Verse 2, immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And then he describes that and he sees the 24 elders. Then verse 5, out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. Now, I saw the lightning. I didn't hear the thunder. I didn't hear anything, but I saw the, the flashes of, of lightning. Okay, and then he talks about the four living creatures um, in uh, 6 and uh, 7 and, uh, and even 8. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Now, the next day at the conference, <clears throat> uh, Henry Madaba was, was speaking again. And he was talking about the fire of God. And he started into ministry time. And he was talking about how that we, we need to be on fire for God. We need to, we need to experience the, 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 both in the positive and, the, and the, 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 the burning out of the trash and the residue and that sort of thing, the fire of God that does both. And uh, so he was saying, you know, we, we, need, we need a freshness of the fire of God. Well, while he was speaking, he was walking, you know, he's walking back and forth. Henry's about six feet tall. And behind him, I saw this angel that was double his size. The angel was at least 12 feet tall. And he had his, he had his arms out like this and the wings. He was wearing like, it was a robe-like, feathery-like thing. It was like it came down like that on both sides. And, and he was walking like this everywhere Henry went. He was walking all around, just back and forth, back and forth like that. 